Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Are we awake this morning? Amen. The spirit's been moving and we're alive and well this morning. Hey, do me a favor. Uh, I know you just sat down, but stand up. Stand up. Look at your neighbors. Look at your look at look at the people around you. Just wave at them. Give them a high five if you want, or a high uh, elbow, or whatever you want to do in the air. That would be nice. It's beautiful. Will, how you doing, buddy? Hi. <laughs> I like that rabbit. That's good. Uh, where's that cup? Oh. I didn't say you may be seated. What's going on here? I'm just kidding. You may be seated. Drain's <laughs> like, oh. Oh, good morning, everybody. How many of you guys had a good week? Yeah, had a pretty good week? Doug, did you have a good week? Yeah, good. Oh, this morning, yeah, we might need some volunteers this morning, too. He's just, Bryce, Mike just called you out. Some scrambled eggs. Oh, how many ready to get in the Word this morning? Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. I appreciate it. Uh, before we get in the message this morning, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to come, not man, to enter into worship. And that's what we did today, man. I, I love when we can come and just enjoy the presence of God. Lord, I pray that this message this morning would again just be filled with your presence. That even as people are listening here or online or at home, Lord, I pray that they would be moved by your spirit. That they would have a clear understanding of what is being taught and preached this morning. Lord, let me preach it with clarity. Let me preach it with wisdom and with understanding that that is above me and beyond me. Lord, I lean into you this morning. I thank you and praise you for your mercy and grace in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, I want to begin with what may seem to be very familiar. Uh, one of the dangers of preaching, one of the dangers of preaching is that many times you're covering the same ground over and over and over. How many know that's true, right? You're covering the same ground over and over. And, and so in order to be innovative and current and, and trendy, some pastors and preachers start to look for new and sometimes controversial ways of presenting old truth. Because we clearly know the Bible is old truth, right? It's truth that's been true even before truth became known. It's been true, it is true, it'll always be true, okay? How many know that's true? Amen? Let's use the word true a lot. Now, listen, I don't believe there's anything inherently wrong about innovative preaching, all right? I want to be innovative, I want to be engaging in God's presence, I want to, I want to be engaging in presenting the truth of God's word, amen? Amen. So I want to be current in understanding the culture, I want to... I want to be current so that the truth may be relatable and life-changing to those who hear the word. That's what my goal is. And when it comes down to it, the truth is this. There is nothing new 
under the sun. What does that mean? There's nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new that I can preach to you today. Did you know that? There's nothing new. There's, there's nothing that I can preach correctly that hasn't already been preached multiple times by multiple pastors and preachers throughout the many, many, many years of church history, right? There's nothing new that I could preach to you. There's nothing new under the sun. In fact, if I was going to preach something to you and it was entirely new, it would be in danger of what we call false teaching. If it's something that's never been heard of before, this is some new, brand new revelation, doesn't come from the Bible, doesn't come from just, just, just God gave me a revelation, right? That would be me being in danger of false teaching, which is something we want to stay away from, right? The other issue with preaching is finding balance. You say, Pastor David, what do you mean by that? Within this building, within those who are watching online, there are Christians and non-Christians. There are those who can take some milk, and then there are those who can take some meat, right? How many know that there are people who are new in their faith and they need milk? And then there are those who are mature in their faith. I didn't say old in their faith. Amen. I said mature in their faith, and they, they want some meat, right? So an example of simple truth. What's an example of a simple truth? Anybody? Tim, what's an example of a simple truth? No. No, no. For God so loved the world, right? Amen. Listen, simple truth. God loves you. Jesus loves you and died for your sins. Amen? That's a simple truth. Now, there are simple truths, and then there are deep truths. So if the simple truth is Jesus loves you and died for your sins, what's the, what's the, the deeper truth? So if we begin to, to dig into this simple truth, we can look to the Greek and the Hebrew, and we can look at Jesus being the propitiation. We can dissect the intricacies of the cross and redemption and renewal and revival. And now it's gone from a simple truth into a deep truth. It's gone from a simple truth to a deeper revelation of who Jesus is and, and what he did for us. Amen? It goes into a weightier or deeper revelation of what he did. So within the church, we have new Christians, we have mature Christians, as well as those who may not have any belief at all, or those who claim Christ but don't really have relationship with him. That's a danger in the church. Those who claim Christ but have no real relationship with him. So my job then is to preach the word of God, is to bring an overall balance of preaching in the Bible so that it reaches and connects with people on all levels. So there's some weeks where it may be simple, and there's some weeks where it may be deep. There's some weeks where it may be milk, and some weeks where it may be meat. Amen? Some weeks may be evangelistic in nature. What does that mean? It means, it means preaching the gospel in order that people might be saved. Some weeks it's teaching history and word studies and, and intense doctrinal viewpoints. This morning, I want to begin by teaching on something that is both incredibly simple and when we dig into it, incredibly deep. 
I want to begin teaching on what is known as doctrine. Doctrine is another good word for teaching. Where's false doctrine and true doctrine? We want to we want to follow true doctrine. Amen. Amen. So we want to have good teaching. So the first of this message, this is going to be in two parts. Uh, I want to be just to remind you. Uh, so this week and next week, we're going to be in this message. And then in uh, for two weeks at the end of August, we're going to have uh, two special special speakers for that week. So you're going to come and enjoy it. It's going to be a missionary. And then also a John Sprecher from the FCA is going to be here. That's going to be good. But we're going to get into this doctrine. And then in September... I'm playing with the idea right now of getting into some really heavy, heavy stuff. In case you're wondering what it might be, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of starting to, to preach on a book of the Bible that has 22 chapters. So you're going to have to figure out what that is. <laughs> Anybody figure it out? I'm going to go into Revelation. I'm going to start digging into Revelation, not just the seven churches, but digging into the different viewpoints and the different aspects of end times and what does that mean. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to need help. Amen. <laughs> I am. It's going to be interesting. The first message is in two parts, and it begins with this. Mikey, go to the next slide. It begins with what we call the Trinity. Say the Trinity. If we were to break this down to the simple, what is the Trinity? Anybody? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Very simple truth, right? So when we hear about the Trinity, okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's a simple truth. Now if we move from the simple into the little bit more deeper territory, we want to look at what the Trinity is and what the Trinity is not. So the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? That's a simple truth. But we don't believe in three gods. Amen? Come on, that's called tritheism, right? That would be a false teaching. So uh, in, in many ways, I think in people trying to be genuinely uh, helpful, they come up with analogies so that we can maybe have an idea or a picture of what the Trinity or how the Trinity works or what it looks like. You know, I don't, uh, there are certain people that are, I have favorites to call on. Uh, Bryce is a favorite. Uh, Doug is a favorite at times. Carol, I don't see her, so she's not a favorite right now. Uh, <laughs> but I wonder if I could get a volunteer this morning. Anybody want to volunteer just for some fun? Oh, there's Carol. She's hiding behind the post there. She's pointing at Steve, and Steve's pointing at her. Uh, let's do it this way. Carol Cody. Carol Cody, will you, will you help me this morning? You won't have to talk a whole lot, but will you help me this morning? Come on up. Everybody give Carol a hand. Man, Carol. I'm not going to break the egg over your head, no. No, but how many know that sometimes the analogies we use for the Trinity aren't really sufficient analogies? 
They really aren't. So every time we miss out, every time, every time we try to do something with the Trinity, we try to have an analogy about it, we miss out on something. So let's take this egg. This is a nice egg. This is an Eglin's best egg. Yeah, there you go. Are these the expensive eggs? Cheap eggs taste the same, you know that. Anyway, Carol, would you do me a favor? Will you crack this egg into there? That was professional. Thank. Give her a hand. That was. <laughs> now, what are the different parts of the egg, Carol? The yolk and the egg white and the shell. How many know that when it was all inside the shell, unbroken, it's all egg, right? Now that it's broken, we have the shell, we have the white. I believe the white's called albumin. Is that right? I want to see. I believe it's called albumin. I could be wrong. Uh, we have the white of the egg, and then we have the egg yolk. Now, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> no, I can't do that, Rocky. <laughs> I can't do that. No, here's what happens. In trying to explain the Trinity, we'll say God is like an egg. There are three parts. You have the shell, you have the yolk, and you have the white, right? The problem is this. The white is not equal to the yolk. And the yolk is not equal to the shell. And the shell is not equal to the white. And so when we look at the egg analogy, we see it's a bad analogy. Now, what are some other analogies about the Trinity? The other analogy about the Trinity is this. God is like water. How many ever heard this one before? God is like water. There's different types uh, or different uh, states of water. What are some different states of water? Frozen, right? Solid. So you have solid. Right now it's in a what state? A liquid state. This is, this is science 101, right? If it becomes hot and boils, then it becomes into what state? Vapor, steam, right? So we have steam, solid, and liquid. Right now it's liquid. I can pour it in this glass. I can take a big glug of it. So when we say that God is like water, we're saying that God, sometimes he manifests himself as solid, sometimes he manifests himself as liquid, and sometimes he manifests himself as steam, or sometimes he manifests, manifests himself as God the Father, sometimes as God the Son, and sometimes as God the Holy Spirit. The problem with that is it's not true. God the Father is not God the Son, and God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. This, this type of thinking of he manifests himself in three different ways, that is what's called modalism. Say modalism. Modalism. Give Carol a hand. She did such a good job. Hold on, Carol. I got a parting gift for you. No, okay. That's all right. You don't want that. That's okay. That is called modalism. So we have this. We have tritheism. We have modalism, and it's, it's a bad analogy. Here's, a, here, here's, 
Here's the thing about the analogies. We try to have it make sense. We try to have it make sense, but inevitably, whatever we try falls short. Inevitably, whatever we try falls short. So here's what it is. What is the Trinity? We believe in one God who was eternally existent in the unity of three persons. They are the same in substance. They are the same in power. They are the same in eternity. Amen? There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people will look at the Old Testament and say, Pastor David, who was at work in the Old Testament? That had to be God the Father. No, no, no. Understand, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were at work in the Old Testament. You say, what about the New Testament? That's God the Son. That's Jesus Christ, right? And then, and then he died, and then, we have, and then we have God the Holy Spirit. Throughout the New Testament, we see God the Father at work, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit at work. Throughout all of Scripture, throughout all of history, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, let's first acknowledge that while we know that this is a biblical truth, it can be hard to understand. The Trinity can be tough for people to understand. Amen? Come on, it's okay. We can all say amen this morning. It can be hard for people to understand. In a textbook of mine on the doctrine of God, it reads this. All study of the nature of God defies our full comprehension. But the triunity of God is the greatest of all divine mysteries. Now, I know that the kids have been, you know, messing with Common Core for a little while, but you probably know simple math, right? So what's one plus one plus one? Anybody? Eli, what's one plus one plus one? Right? Will, what's one plus one plus one? Say three. Good job. (laughs) So it's interesting because... Simple math tells us one plus one plus one equals three. Concerning God, we see an equation that is hard to grasp for some, and that's this, that one plus one plus one equals one. Amen? That's the Trinity. And you say, Pastor David, wait a minute. How how do we explain this? First of all, let's acknowledge the Lord our God is one. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the first, uh, first of a few scriptures this morning. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Say one. This is the beginning of what we call the Shema. It's an incredibly important Jewish prayer, Hebrew prayer, and it clearly shows us God is one. Then we see Exodus 20, 1-3. It says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. The Lord is one. You shall have no other gods before me. Those are singular terms. The interesting thing is this. When we look at Scripture, it doesn't just apply to God in the singular term. It applies to God in the plural. More than one. It's interesting. We see this from the very first chapter of the Bible. And we see the Trinity at work starting with Genesis 1 verse 26 and 27, it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. 
so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind. Listen to this. This is interesting because we see both the singular and the plural. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, right? So that's the singular. But if we look up above, it says, let us make mankind. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So we see both the singular and the plural. Say singular, plural. Say us, say our. From the very first chapter of the Bible, we see the truth of the Trinity. But wait, say, but wait, there's more. Amen? Just like an infomercial, but wait, there's more. Throughout the Old Testament, we see the language that's being used to describe God, right? When we see it, we see singular, we see plural. And then we see how, okay, so there's, it's clear that there's not just one, but then us, our, more than one. How do we know it's three? How do we know it's three? If you look at Mormonism, Mormonism would say that there's multiple gods. More than three, there's multiple, multiple types of gods. So how do we know that the, that the Trinity is three? In Matthew, starting in verse 13, we see the words of Jesus. It says this. Actually, we see the baptism of Jesus. Verse 13 says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Mike, you were baptized in the Jordan, right? I was in the Jordan during you were over the Jordan. Uh, how many have ever been to Israel? Mikey Hart, I know you have. Other people, yeah? We've, the Jordan, listen, where Jesus was baptized is not where you're baptized today. Where you're baptized today, it's a nice area. It's, it's got rails. It's really beautiful kind of garden area. But the place where Jesus was baptized was a dirt, is it dirty, stinky kind of area now. This is where Jesus is baptized by John, and he says this. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus comes to the Jordan, and John says, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. He said, okay. I'll go ahead and I'll baptize you. And here's what happened. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. With him, I am well pleased. Now, we talked about modalism. We talked about this, this is that there's three forms of one God. Now, I bring this up because tritheism isn't really famous today, but modalism is. Modalism is the most famous of which is called the Jesus-only gospel or the Jesus-only movement. The basics of this is this. 
there is no Trinity, and that Jesus manifested himself in three ways. Sometimes he was the shell, sometimes he was the egg, and sometimes he was the white part, right? Or the, uh, the egg white, and sometimes he was the yolk. But if we read the last scripture with that belief, if it was Jesus only all the time, and he only manifested himself in different ways, here's how that scripture would read. It's kind of funny. As soon as Jesus was baptized, Jesus went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened and Jesus saw the spirit of Jesus descending upon Jesus like a dove and alighting on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, Jesus, whom Jesus loves. And Jesus, I, Jesus, am well pleased. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because it's not true. Now, I understand the Trinity might be tough, a tough concept. And to look at it, listen, honestly, to look at it in this way is just mind-boggling to me. That even with the scriptures that we have, they can't see that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity clearly reflected in scripture. For many years, there was a famous pastor. His name is T.D. Jakes. He was raised in this. For many, many years, this is what he was raised in. Now, how many know T.D. Jakes? Know who that is? I love T.D. Jakes. I love some of his sermons are some of the best I've ever heard in my life. But for many, many years, he was raised up in this. And thankfully, prayerfully, he's made it clear that he does not believe in this today. But it's what he was raised in. It's what he came up in. He was uh, actually in a meeting with a lot of different pastors. It was called the Elephant Room. It was kind of it was really very interesting. And uh, he made it clear, this is not, I do not, I believe in the Trinity. Because he had to make it clear because there was so much confusion. It's what he was raised in, but it's not what he believes now. I want to read uh, what this commentary says. It says this, because this is important. This is, if you're a Christian, this is important, right? If you're a Christian, this is foundational. To believe in the Trinity is foundational. It says this, the triunity of God is a foundational stone of Christian belief. And the truth is that every time it's compromised, Many other foundations are either compromised or abandoned. Those who often deny the Trinity often also deny the virgin birth. They deny the deity of Christ. They deny atonement through Christ's blood. And they deny the personality of the Holy Spirit. So one of the main groups that denies the Trinity is what's called Jehovah's Witnesses. How many ever had run-ins with Jehovah's Witnesses? I have. They ever come to your door? Right? We had uh, in... In Georgia, we didn't have Jehovah's Witnesses come so much. We had a lot of Mormons come to our door, and I invite them in and, and have discussions with them, which is always interesting. But uh, John's like, oh, yeah. So, uh, but I, I, I don't know that we've ever had Jehovah's Witnesses come to our door. I've had run-ins with Jehovah's Witnesses. I've had discussions with Jehovah's Witnesses, but never have they come to our door, and I've gotten to like sit down and have a real conversation with them. Let's be clear about something. Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult. Okay? Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult. They don't believe the truth of God's Word, including the Trinity. That's why it's so important for us to know what we believe and why. How many can say clearly, I know what I believe and I know why I believe it? I know what I believe and I know why we believe it. Because if we aren't aware of the truth of God's Word, we can be swept away by what's called false teaching or false doctrine. So this morning, what I'm teaching you is clearly 
true Christian foundational basic doctrine. It's simple, but it's deep. If you aren't aware of the significance and the importance of the Trinity and what the Trinity means to our faith, you are missing out on all that God is. The last few verses this morning, we're going to look at John chapter 14. It says this in verse 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father, listen, this is the words of Jesus, and he will give you, this is Jesus speaking about the Father and the Holy Spirit. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit, right? Then we're going to jump to verse 26. It says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Clearly, we see the Trinity. God the Father is fully God. Jesus Christ is fully God, and the Holy Spirit is fully God, right? They are separate in identity and in the roles that they have, but not individual from each other in purpose or glory. There's one and three. Um, many times if you grew up in a Christian home or you grew up going to church, I grew up going to church. I grew up in a Christian home. We don't ever really examine what we believe. We don't. You grow up in it and you go, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian because my parents are Christians. I'm a Christian because my parents are Christians and their parents are Christians. Their parents before them were Christians. So that means I must be a Christian. Within the Catholic Church, they would say, well, I'm Catholic because my dad's Catholic. And his dad's Catholic, and his dad's Catholic, so I'm Catholic. So that's the precipice and the understanding of where we get our faith from. We're coming at it from the entirely wrong place. We aren't believers in faith in Christ just because our parents were. We can't ride on our parents' coattails into heaven. Amen? We have to make a personal decision in our lives. So to understand what the Trinity is and who the Trinity is, is foundational to our faith. Amen? Amen. Will you please stand with me this morning? Jenny, will you come on up and play a little bit? Oh, that water tastes good. Tastes like egg a little bit. (laughs) This week has been mainly a, a teaching on the concept of the Trinity. It's an understanding of the Trinity. Next week, we're gonna start to look at the really the deeper roles. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have, not just in the Old Testament, but the New. Not just in the New Testament, but in our lives today. Because How many know God the Father has a role in our lives today? Amen? God the Son has a role in our lives today. Amen? And God the Holy Spirit better have a role in our lives today. I know that this is kind of, it's a, it's a, this is a different message. It's a simple message, but it's a heavy message. You say, Pastor David, I, I, 
I want to know more about this. I want to have a clear understanding of this. I, I will say this. This is one of those things, that, and I've already preached this, preached this, but this is one of those things that it will boggle our mind. It will boggle our mind if we if we just, how does this work? What, how, does, how does this make sense? One plus one plus one equals one. How? 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 And so I would encourage you to understand that this is a truth we find in Scripture. To understand it's foundational to our belief. And to understand that when you go home, maybe God wants you to dig deeper. Maybe God wants you, wants you to get into your word. Wants you to get into some study. Because if you're only getting it on Sunday mornings, it's not enough. It's really not. But we know the truth of the Trinity is clearly found in Scripture, and as much as it may boggle our mind, we know that God is at work, and is, man, it's one of those things where we have to go, all right, God, I trust you. I don't always understand it, but I trust you. Let's pray this morning. Oh, Lord. Lord, I, I know that this is a strange, simple, and heavy message. I pray that each person here will go home and study for themselves the truth of who you are. I pray that there will be an understanding and an assurance that will be given to them of who you are. Lord, we thank you for continuing to lead and guide us in all things. I pray that we would move forward in the wisdom of your counsel. Lord, I pray over each person that's here this morning and that's maybe listening online. Lord, I pray that there would be healing in their bodies, that there would be that you would be a comfort to their souls, that you would bring peace where there's chaos or where there's anxiety this morning. Lord, I know this is a strange season that we're in. But even as those who are at home and are watching this might feel a little disconnected, Lord, connect them to you. May they feel your presence even stronger during this strange time. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning, over those who are listening, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, that you would give them rest. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I don't want to end the service yet. I love you guys. We're going to miss you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Hey, listen, if there's anything that you need, or if you know somebody else who's in need uh, that the church can help with, let us know. Um, just this last week, we had a phone call from an unexpected phone call uh, during the night where somebody needed something in the community, and we helped them with it, and we blessed them, and then it gave us an opportunity to speak in their lives. And If you know somebody that's in need or somebody that we can help, uh, let us know. And uh, if you're watching online and, and, and you might be needing need something, call us. Let us know. We want to be a help this morning. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next week.